Jen here, talking about how alcohol is not all it's cracked up to be by society and how the grass is greener on the other side. I talk to folks who now have an alcohol-free lifestyle, how that came to be, and the benefits of that lifestyle. In this episode, I talked to Marcy. Marcy would drink for the short-term relief of depression. After a few dry Januaries, Marcy eventually quit. I started drinking kind of when I was 16 years old. I was the, I was trying to rebel, right? I was the straight A student, never got in trouble, never did anything wrong. And so my friends and I would get bored and maybe we'd try to sneak alcohol out of our parents' liquor cabinet. Um, But someone once phrased it to me as, what was your first taste of alcohol? And that, I was actually much younger. Um, I'm Italian by heritage and my grandfather made his own wine, like grew his own grapes, made his own wine. and so when we were kids, we got to try it. He would put kind of a drop or two in in a glass and then fill the rest up with Sprite. So it was just this really light pink color. And it was absolutely terrible. And I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of my grandfather's winemaking skills. I think it's more that just kids don't naturally like the taste of alcohol. I don't know that anybody has a really great first drink. Um, but that was really my first taste. But it wasn't like I you know, started drinking at seven years old or anything. It was really more 16. We uh, were, like I said, rebelling a little bit. And then as I uh, got older, I went into college and I went to one of the most Greek universities in the country and also one of the most affluent um, universities in the country. And so there was alcohol everywhere. Supply was never an issue because a lot of these people had a lot of money and uh, so much so that they, you know, they would rent charter buses for the party. So you wouldn't even have to drive when you're going home uh, to and from the party. So that's just even more of an excuse to get more wasted, right? So I, but I felt like I was doing what everybody was doing. Everybody was drinking on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Mondays, right? Like everybody was doing all of this. So I was just kind of fitting in. Um, It didn't seem weird to me that I would drink so much to black out sometimes. Like it just, everybody was doing this. Mm -hmm. It became more of a problem when I was first, when my first bout of depression. So I was about 20 years old and I was studying abroad. And I think it was just that big change of moving. I literally moved across the world. I went to Australia Um, and I think it was just so different from what I've been used to. And I was away from my support systems that I was depressed and I started using alcohol to cope and I was drinking all day, every day. And it was just, you know, with a box of wine under my desk, I was trying to hide it because I knew this wasn't normal, but I didn't really know what else to do. I didn't, you know, have Mm -hmm. a doctor in Australia that I could go to. It's not like I had health insurance there. So I just did the best I could with what I had. And, you know, then I got back to the States and got on antidepressants and my use went back to normal, right? It went back to drinking on the weekends, going out. Then I had several more bouts of depression over the years. And the same thing would happen. I would fall into points of just drinking all day, every day, and, you know, eventually stabilizing and and moving into what was considered normal Mm -hmm. for adults. Um, I think I really realized it was a problem when I got married because then I had to be much more sneaky about what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? So if I, when I lived alone before this, I could buy vodka and keep it in my house and nobody knew that I how many bottles I had mm-hmm. or how much I was throwing away. But when you get married and you've got a partner there and he sees bottles piling up, um, my, my husband is so supportive. He's just one of the greatest human beings in the world. So he never would have said anything, mm-hmm. but it would have worried him. And I didn't want to worry him because- I was still functioning very highly as an adult, right? So I was doing really well at work. I was getting promoted. I wasn't, you know, driving drunk or getting in trouble. Everything was working. It was just this little secret habit that I kind of had on the side. Um, But the fact that I had to hide it was also very weird to me. You know, it was that kind of, I don't want to have to hide it, but I definitely don't want to tell him how much I'm drinking. Like, this is clearly a problem. 
So that was kind of a, a an eye opener for me. The biggest eye opener really was um, the first time I decided to do a dry January. Mm. So I've always been a very health conscious person. I love getting books from the library about, you know, different cookbooks and different antioxidants and all these things you should try. So one year I had heard of dry January and decided to do it. And that year I ended up drinking, I think maybe three times in the mm. month. Um, but it was, you know, one of those times it was just a really hard day at work. And then another time it was someone's birthday, you know, so you had to have a, a, a drink to celebrate. It just, they didn't count, right? Like these, these were special occasions. It was fine. It didn't count. So I kind of ignored that. And then I did dry January, you know, every year we keep doing it, the same results, drinking a couple of times, but again, it wasn't my fault. And the last time I did make it all 31 days, but I was miserable. I was thinking about alcohol every single day for those 31 days. I think I even had like a countdown on my phone of till the hours of till it's February 1st that I can drink again, which is just, it, it so disheartening to think of now, but that's where I was. It was, I just have to get through this. I just have to get through this. And then I can go back to normal. Um, And that was scary to me, but I didn't, I didn't like thinking about how scary that was. So this was processing my head. It took me a really long time to get from noticing there's a problem to being willing to work on the problem. So I had noticed it with all these things, with sneaking things, with not being able to do dry January, knowing there's something here and just not being willing to give up that crutch that I have built. This is what got me through my depression. This is what you know kept me alive, I think, at certain times just because it kept me too numb to feel all the pain, mm-hmm. right? And so giving that up is giving up my, my lifesaver, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least what I thought it was, which was just crazy because I also knew alcohol's terrible for depression, right? right? Like yeah. I've done all the research. I've, I've looked at this just because I'm I'm a voracious reader. And so I know that alcohol's terrible for depression, but in my head, it's like, but it's also saving me while killing me. And it just, right. it made no sense, right? Yeah. Um, so it was eventually, there wasn't like a, a rock bottom moment. I think at some point I just kind of got fed up. I think it's, uh, I think some people do have those rock bottom moments, but for me, it just really, I guess the stars aligned or something. And it was in November, 2022. And I decided like, I just need to get this under control. I need to stop. I need to be like everyone else who can have one drink and, you know, not think about when the next one's coming or um, plan the the stop on the liquor store on the way home. So that was what I set out to do. And I joined a group coaching program that started January, 2023. Mm -hmm. And it was a three month program. And by the end of it, I was like, done with alcohol forever. I am going to be uh, running my own business doing this. Like I want to pay it forward. Like I just absolutely loved it. I set out having no intentions of never drinking again. Um, the Marcy from a few years ago would actually pity people that didn't drink or couldn't drink because I couldn't understand like your life must be so boring if you don't drink. And I just can't even, I never would have fathomed this on the other side. I never would have imagined that it's possible to get up and be excited about going to work, to really love what you do, to be happy, to have fun without alcohol, to wake up without hangovers, to wake up without feeling sick, to not ever like sleeping on the bathroom floor done that quite a few times. So um, it's just, it's really interesting that where I ended up was nowhere where I thought I was going to be because I just couldn't even see, I I didn't have vision for myself of this is where it could possibly go because I just been relying on it so much. And what I learned was that I had no there was no reason for me to rely on it because I was stronger without it, mm-hmm. right? All these things that I thought I couldn't face, I could face. It was just alcohol in my ear telling me, no, you can't, you're not mm-hmm. strong enough for this, mm-hmm. right? And so that was just, it was just a really big transformation. I'm, I'm just, 
I'm still to this day shocked that it was able to turn around so quickly for someone who had been drinking for decades at this point. And yeah, that yeah. is interesting. When you set out to do the three month program, were you like, I'm quitting or you're just going to get this under control? I wanted to get this under control. Uh, a life without alcohol felt a little bit um, monastic, I guess. It just felt like that was not really it's not going to be fun. It's going to be boring. I still want to have, you know, a glass of champagne at a wedding. I still want to be able to have, you know, whatever the situation is. I wanted to be able to have one. Um, but I knew I needed to quit for a time. I knew I needed to kind of pause. Same thing. Like if you're going to do a sugar detox, I needed to reset, you know, start from scratch. And then I can go back to where the, the normal is, but it was learning more and more about alcohol. Like for example, I had no idea that alcohol was a carcinogen, like none whatsoever. I knew that it was bad for your liver. I think that's a very common one that people know, but I had no idea. And it's been a carcinogen since 1988 and full disclosure, I was born in 1988. So my entire life, alcohol's been a known carcinogen and I just had no idea. And so for someone like me who loves health, who was always trying to eat the healthiest foods and do the healthiest things. And then I was literally putting cancerous, you know, increasing my risk for cancer all the time. It just, it made no sense. And so I, I, I got to the point where I just couldn't imagine why I would want to go back. Like, why wouldn't I quit? I have no, I I can't understand it. So. Yeah. No, I I get you. Um, so can you talk a little bit more, more about your depression, was that something that I'm just curious, like how it is now and how it was, or if you recall being depressed even before you drank, I realized that would be like 15 years old, but just, I'm just curious on how that has been. So I was a very insecure child. I was not a popular kid. There was a lot of insecurity there growing up. Um, And I think it's not necessarily depression, but there is some kind of some issues there. You know, there's a lot of kids in high school and I was one of them that kind of dealt some mild eating disorders because we Mm -hmm. wanted to have those flat bellies that just seemed impossible and thigh gaps and whatever else is in vogue these days. Um, You know, there was, so there's some of that negativity that's constantly in there that I think is just rampant among women just because of the way society treats them um, and kind of idealizes that this is the ideal body that nobody can possibly have, but that you should have. So I think there's a lot of that negativity there that kind of contributes to feeling bad about myself, but not to the level of depression. Depression that I had um, in Australia was just numbing. Like I was able to go to school. I was able to go out with my friends, but when I wasn't doing those things and I wasn't kind of distracting myself, I was miserable. I couldn't understand why I would continue living. Like I wasn't necessarily suicidal. I just Mm -hmm. didn't see a point in continuing on. Hmm. It's kind of a, it's a weird thing. I wasn't going to kill myself, but like life just wasn't fun. I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. People were doing all these things and I was just like, what's the point? And that's Mm -hmm. really the, I think the thought behind it was the, what's the point. And it continued in all of those other episodes. One was so bad. I was actually hospitalized. And in that time I, um, it was a inpatient outpatient situation. So you had to stay there during the week, but then on the weekends you could go home. It's not like it was a lockdown ward or anything. You could, you know, I'd go out for walks, but sometimes on those walks, I would stop by the corner store and buy alcohol that I would bring back to my room just to kind of deal with what I was deal with the feelings and the thoughts or, or not deal with them, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. so that was, uh, that was the most recent one. And, uh, actually, actually, no, that was the next most recent when after I quit drinking, I drank again. So it was, I think, August of last year, the depression hit again. Mm -hmm. I was on my couch. I was in my PJs. I was drinking all day, every day. And this was, you know, I had gone six, no, seven months probably at this time without a drop of alcohol. And I just couldn't stop. And I 
it wasn't fun. It wasn't helping. It just helped. What I think it helped was make the time go faster, I guess, just because yeah. it's amazing how fast time flies when you're drinking and how yeah. slow time is when you're not and you're able to get <laughs> yeah. so much more done. But um, it just got through those two those two days just drinking and, and not changing on my PJs. And by the third day, I was like, okay, this isn't working. It's mm -hmm. not helping me. It's not solving anything here. It's just not, it's not doing it. I mean, enough is enough. And so I got up, put on my shoes and went for a walk outside. And I continued to do that every day. And I didn't need to get back on antidepressants. I was just done. It just, mm -hmm. I was able to turn around. I've never been able to turn it around like that. It normally requires antidepressants, at least for six months at a minimum, I would say, and usually longer than that. Um, so this was something that I don't think would have happened if I still had alcohol in my system, if I was still using it, oh, I was okay. able to realize this is just not working. It's not fixing it. Yeah. So I've got to try something else. And I did. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to your story in that I had quit for a year and a half and then went back and then, um, uh, probably went through the same thing. It's like, I realize how bad this is. You can't unknow what, you know? Yes. And it was like, yeah, I, the community aspect has really helped me a lot while I'm doing the podcast, but yeah, similar. Yeah. Um, so the, you were able to get back on track, so to speak, without using antidepressants. And you think that's because you would quit drinking. So that being said, you're saying you, you are not on them anymore. And you attribute that to not being on, not drinking anymore. I, so I have, I have known delusions that I'm never going to be depressed again. I think it's just something in my physiology. There's a, there's a possibility okay. it's going to be there. Um, what I think is that it won't ever be as severe as it was because I'm not exacerbating it by putting alcohol in the fire. Right. right? So um, I think the fact that I was able to catch it so quickly and turn it around was because I did things that are scientifically proven to help with depression, right? Exercise has actually been proven in studies as more effective than group therapy. Um, mm -hmm. And then CBT, I think as well, I'll have to, double check that study, but I, that was something I'd seen is that exercise is just immensely powerful in this area. So this is something that is not going to give me cancer and is going to make me feel better. Right. So I think that'll be my course when I go, if, when it happens again, if it happens again, but I, I don't expect that the sole cause of it was alcohol. I just think that's what made it so much worse. Okay. And it, speaking on that time too, it was, it was so hard for me and it, this may be the same for you, but it was so hard for me to admit that this had happened because mm -hmm. I'm a type A perfectionist person. And I expected that I was never going to have any relapses, data points, setbacks, whatever you want to call it. And I was right. so embarrassed. And I think, I think that's where our, our language can be really important, right? So if we're calling this a relapse, it kind of gives this impression that we are starting back from zero. Mm -hmm. And that person there on the couch had learned so much. There's, mm -hmm. you know, you said you can't unknow these things. So I had grown. I have not started back at zero. Mm -hmm. I think it can be really dangerous when we set up um, precedents this way to say, if you ever, if you ever be human and make a fa and fail or, or ever have a misstep that you have completely started over. You've lost everything. That just makes no sense to me. It's not a model that, and I think it also encourages me to say, well, F it. I've already done it. I'm just going right. to stay doing it. Right. right. So the fact that I recognize it as, okay, this is a learning experience. I tried to solve my depression issue with this and it didn't work. So now I'm going to move on and do the things that I know do work and I'm going to leave that behind. And I think having done this, I think it, it I can understand a little bit better the perspective of people that have gone through this, you know, but so it's not something that I am super excited happened, but I do know that there was definitely a lesson there that I, I'm not sure I would have known without it. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. And I mean, you wonder how often that does happen and you can just say, Hey, it's okay. I did it and I made it through and I'm better for have 
learned from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your husband, if you don't mind, just because it's kind of a hot topic, you know, people are like, you know, my spouse drinks or I don't drink and that type of thing. How has that worked in your relationship? And by not drinking, what has it, or how has that changed? Well, my husband is a super hot topic. He's gorgeous, but <laughs> to talk about him. So I, when I did this, I went to him and said, this is for me. I'm doing this for me. I, you can keep drinking if you want, but I'm going to stop at this point. And he's just like, okay, I'm just going to stop too. And he did, he didn't have to do any journaling. He didn't have to do any, uh, talking to his childhood self. He didn't have to do anything. He just stopped drinking and he was done. And I think when I, when I met him, actually, if I think back on this, he didn't drink very much. And it was when he was with me that he started drinking more because I found excuses to drink everywhere. And so I was really the instigator in that. And I think he was just kind of returning to where he was, but he's had no desire. He didn't have a, a slip up in April he, or August. He hasn't had anything since January 1st, 2023. And he has no desire to go back. Um, he's just a very supportive partner, but I recognize that not all the people have this. I think it's a very lucky situation to be in there, uh-huh. but I think it's kind of in how you approach it. So I think it's important to to keep things kind of small. If you go up to your partner who you've been drinking with every weekend, every evening, every whatever, and just say, I'm never drinking again. I'm over. This is done. We're done with this. That's a very scary proclamation. You've said our relationship, the way it is, is dead. We're doing something different now. And that's, that's frightening. But if you do something smaller to say, I'm taking a break for 30 days, 60 days, whatever, it's Mm -hmm. a little bit easier to digest. It's Mm -hmm. a little less threatening. And your your partner or spouse might think, okay, it's just for a little bit of time and then she'll get back to normal. And maybe in that time, your partner will see like, oh, actually, you know, she's happier. She's healthier. She's got more energy. Like good things are happening for her. And at the end of the day, presumably, if you're in a healthy relationship, your partner just wants you to be happy. Mm -hmm. If they're freaking out or trying to sabotage you, it's because they're insecure about the relationship. So let them know it's not about them, that you love them if they continue to drink or not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just keep it kind of small. And I think it's absolutely possible to have relationships where one person drinks and one person doesn't. It's just, I think it's also quite possible that your partner will see the positive changes in you and get a little bit jealous and want to have those too. I like that. Um, so what helped you like looking back, what do you think helped you the most in stopping drinking? I would say a few things. One is I had people, I was in a group at that point to turn to when I had difficult thoughts, when I felt terrible, um, to kind of admit some of the things that I've done. I had someone to listen and they, in response, would say, you know, just tell you, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's the same things you say to your friends, all these things you say in your, your head, like, oh, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you did that. You're such a screw up. But if your friend came to you and had the exact same thing, hey, I'm trying to quit drinking and then I drink, you wouldn't say that to them, right? You'd say, it's fine. You're human. People make mistakes. You learn. And so I wasn't able to say that to myself but I was able to say that to others and they were able to say it to me. And so I was able to kind of remove that shame there, that kind of um, embarrassment there by admitting these things, these thoughts and feelings and having someone say, look, I get that. I've been there. I've done this and you're going to get through this. And just having someone to talk to, I think it was really important to me. I don't think I could have actually, I know for a fact I couldn't have done this on my own because I had Mm -hmm. tried to quit so many times on my own and it, it never worked, but having someone there, I think also having an expert, someone to say, okay, um, these are all the things, these are, these are the 
facts about alcohol that I didn't know. I mean, you can find those in books too, but just it, I learned really well and visually. So there were some kind of videos and coaching that way that I think was really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think the final piece is having that outside perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, I've heard this phrase many times before, but it's uh, something along the lines of you can't, when you're in the jar, you can't read your own label, right? Yeah. Somebody else would have to do it for you. And so you're having these thoughts and having someone else say, have you considered looking at it this way? Or have you thought mm -hmm. about that? And that really that really turns it around. Uh, an example is I thought I loved the taste of alcohol. I thought I loved wine. I love margaritas. I, there wasn't really anything I didn't love. I loved it all. Yeah. And uh, someone, I, one in the group, someone said like, if you really love the taste and the alcohol part was removed and it tastes exactly the same, would you drink it? And my immediate response was, no, it wouldn't be worth the calories, right? Like I think about the calories if I'm having a soda versus a diet soda and I make decisions this way still because that 16-year-old girl right. is still in there and it wouldn't be worth the calories to me to have a glass of wine that didn't have alcohol in it. And that's when I realized it's not the taste that I'm wanting then. If the taste stays the same, but the effects, the the mm -hmm. numbing is gone, that's what I'm actually after. So it's just it was something I hadn't thought of until someone had kind of phrased it this way. And that's where I think that outside perspective can be really helpful. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so let's touch on the benefits a, a bit. What, you know, you mentioned time, um, energy, being happier. What other benefits that you have you noticed from not drinking and any that you were surprised of? So one thing I've taken away is that I can do hard things. I've done something that I thought was never going to happen for me or that was going to be so miserable. I would be miserable for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I did it and I'm on the other side and I realized that I can actually do hard things. I can get through it. I'm a lot stronger than I ever gave myself credit for. Uh, kind of along those lines as I, I started my business, right? So yeah. the five months into being alcohol-free, I started a coaching business and I never would have done that before. I have a, um, actually have a, a bachelor's degree in business, but I got into business school as an 18 year old. Cause I wrote this essay saying, I'm going to be the CEO of a company. This was my 18 year old dream. Yeah. And really it was because I didn't think I was creative enough to come up with my own plan. I wanted something that's already there and then just kind of run it so that I wouldn't have to do the thinking and the creativity. I've never considered myself a creative person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that, um, and there's, it's actually, there's a, there's a weird tie to creativity that, you know, that, that alcohol makes you more creative, that people drink before they write and stuff, but it, it's really not the case, but yeah. that's a whole other tangent. Um, but that was, the, that was the thing is alcohol said, um, you're not enough. You're not creative enough. You're not confident enough. You're not strong mm -hmm. enough, enough, enough. And so I never thought I would. And I've running around business and I'm like, I can't believe I wasn't doing this all along. Yeah. Like I love running my own business. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here at this desk all day, every day, because there's always something else to do that I'm excited about doing. Not because I have to be here from nine to five or because my boss is telling me like, it's just really exciting to run my own business. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think I ever would have started it. I don't think I would have started any business if I was still drinking because yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't think, I didn't think I could. Yeah. I had so many times of where I've failed. I've tried to do something and failed. I've tried to quit drinking and I've failed. So why would this be any different? And it's different because I don't have that voice in my head saying you can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? So my website is my name, marcyrossi.com. Um, I'm on Instagram 
just about every day. And it's Marcy T. Rossi. It's my middle initial in there because there are a lot of Marcy Rossi's apparently in the world. <laughs> and uh, that's that's where I'm at most of the time. If people are kind of interested in not drinking, the the one thing that I've created is a, a guide. It's five things to do before you quit drinking. And this mm -hmm. is kind of my tips of what you should do to kind of set yourself up for success. It's kind of things that I, I wish I had thought about. And uh, so that's there on my website. Like I said, right there at the front, you can't mess up. Thanks for listening. If you want to experience drinking less or going alcohol-free, whether it is a day, week, month, or forever, and would like some resources, a coach, mentor, or some accountability, please go to afsuperpowers.com or on Instagram at afsuperpowers.com.